Hello, and welcome to the eTech Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Morn. I have been involved in the development of electrified vehicles and machines since 2005 as an engineer and a business leader. This podcast is the product of my passion for electric and autonomous vehicle technology. I'm here to share knowledge from some of the world's leading experts, as well as my own insights. Join me as we accelerate the transition to cleaner, safer and smarter vehicles and grow the industry around the world. For today's show, we've got something that isn't about electric vehicles, but we're really lucky to have Dr. Ben Upcroft with us, who is the VP of technology at an amazing company called Oxbotica. Uh, So welcome to the show, Ben. It's really nice to have you with us. Thank you so much. What a real pleasure to be here. And I just, uh, I wondered if we could get started just with a bit of background on yourself, Ben, and, you know, how you got into doing what you're doing now. Where where did it all start? I've been in, involved in science and excited about science, I think, ever since I was a little kid. I actually did a degree in uh, physics. So I wanted to understand how the world worked. Um, but I, I kind of wanted uh, instant feedback. And physics is a, a long, slower burn. Yeah. Engineering really attracted me at that point. And I've had this kind of underlying, you know, wish to understand artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence yeah. and robotics has got to be the epitome of that, right? Yeah. So I went from uh, a physics uh, degree and went into robotics and I was really fortunate to work with some of uh, an amazing bunch of group of people who did field robotics. Deploy- what I mean by field robotics is deploying actual autonomous systems out into the real world, into mines, underwater, in, you know, in aerial type ah, okay. vehicles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, super, super exciting times. And I've been, so I've been involved in robotics for 20 years, um, oh, ju- ju- almost 20 years. It's a bit, uh, sounds a really long time now that I say that out loud. <laughs> um, but it's also given me a, pr- the, a real privilege to be on a journey from when robotics was maybe more thought of as a research uh, pro- uh, project, doing small things indoors, to seeing that what it is today, yeah, autonomy in in our streets, in industry, oh, oh, around around the globe, and I've really really been fortunate to be involved in that. I've deployed um, uh, autonomous vehicles in uh, mines, uh, quarries um, that includes haul trucks and drag lines. That's kind of where I got started. Right. Uh, and that moved into all sorts of platforms. So underwater vehicles, we um, uh, mapped out parts of the Great Barrier Reef uh, using uh, computer vision alone uh, to do 3D reconstructions. That was super exciting. And doing similar things with aerial vehicles. I've really uh, always been drawn back to uh, terrain vehicles, wheeled vehicles. And the reason is I think there is an interaction that happens with the world that really requires intelligent behavior to, 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 to move through that world um, and do it in, in such an, uh, a, a human-like way. Yeah. And so I joined Oxbotica uh, about four and a half years ago in exactly that vein uh, to okay. you know, move and advance uh, autonomy and um, autonomy in all sorts of vehicles. Um, I, I'm responsible for the software, uh, the algorithmic side of things, and all the way to the processes and deploying that onto an entire system. Yeah. So it is a very exciting place uh, to be. Wow. It it's, um, sounds fantastic. It, I tell you what's really interesting as well is that you use the term 
uh, robotics. You know, that's uh, sort of it's it's quite. I think a lot of there's a lot of hype around autonomous vehicles and and autonomy, um, but the the actually the the sort of the robotics and autonomous robotics um, and your kind of entry point being through the through the robotics side of things. It's it's um, it's really uh, re- really really interesting uh, to me. That is, and and I think I guess leading on from that this is the first question because you you touched on it a little bit there. Um, what is it that you do at Oxpotica? <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I agree. Robotics is is kind of the maybe the heart of uh, autonomy and autonomous systems, and it brings together both the you know, requirements for intelligence and um, the embodiment that you need in an in, a, in an agent in the world. So uh, I think robotics really started this off, and autonomy, autonomous vehicles, is one aspect of uh, robotics yeah. you can use the technology from robotics and autonomous systems not just in an, autonom- an autonomous system i think there's so many different cases in which you can leverage the technology um, that is provided by uh, robotic and autonomous systems what uh, what's oxbotica about um, so oxbotica was founded in uh, 2014 by professor paul newman and professor ingmar posner um, we have offices in the uh, UK and in Canada, and we're continuing to expand. We've had a lot of growth over those over those years. Uh, we provide a software autonomy platform. Uh, we're a pure software company. However, that software is um, deployed into you know the real world, a three D world um, uh, with uh, hardware. The underlying principle around our software autonomy uh, platform is universal autonomy. What I mean by universal autonomy is that it's the idea that machines know where they are, know what's around them, and using that information, uh, understand what to do next, understand how to, how to uh, intelligently plan through the world. Oh, wow, okay. Our software, that software platform, our autonomy platform, is um, uh, very flexible in the, in the sense that we deploy and uh, provide autonomy into many different domains. That's off-road, on-road, mines, quarries, airports, ports, uh, public urban, urban roads for delivery um, and, and as such. So it's a, it's a really flexible and uh, uh, a capable system that allows us to go into, into many, many different, pla- many different places. So is that your, your kind of, your software is the sort of the, the brain of the, the autonomous uh, vehicle. It's decide making, taking kind of, inputs from sensors and things and making decisions about what it should do with the drivetrain and which direction it should go in and should it accelerate or should it break? Is it, is it kind of doing that sort of, that sort of level of, of primitive control over the vehicle? Yeah, you could really think about it as the brain. We also provide the, maybe you can call it the ecosystem that supports that brain uh, as well. So it, uh, you need to be able to do exactly what you're saying. Make intelligent decisions around the inputs that are, uh, are coming, uh, that are input into the system. Yeah. But you need a support structure around that as well, just like a brain uh, does. You need to be able to understand and give uh, a vehicle certain goals, for example. You need to be able to control uh, maybe an entire fleet, and those goals might be a, a general goal for the entire fleet. That ecosystem, that cloud stru- uh, cloud uh, software is also provided by Oxbotica. Uh, okay, yeah. A lot of people would think of an autonomous vehicle in terms of a single car, like driving from your house to your work and kind of making decisions about 
how to do that. Um, but actually, in a, a lot of the applications you've mentioned there, where it's a, a mine site, you might have 20 or 30 or 40 vehicles of some of the same type and some of different types all kind of working together. And they've all got to know what each other's doing. And I guess there's, is there sort of some element of planning to what the most effective use of those vehicles is from like a mission kind of profile of how you, how you kind of manage and control those in the fleet? Yeah, I think that's uh, really key to uh, where Oxbotica fits in. Look, there's uh, um, the places that we work in, mines and quarries and airports, as you, as you suggested, have a whole um, uh, network and understanding around logistics in which they are trying to um, work towards. We um, provide the interface to the autonomy, the brain, for example, the, the autonomy software platform that we provide. Uh, for them to be able to do that most effectively, the, the best way they know how. So mines know how to operate. Uh, mining operators know how to operate their own mine. They've done it for many, many years. They know how to do it very efficiently. We don't pretend to be experts in that, but what we are is experts in the uh, autonomous system. So what we're doing is providing a, a, an input, a, 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 an ability to communicate to that system so that a mine site or an airport can leverage what autonomy brings and the productivity the efficiency gains and you know uh, benefits and costs as well yeah oh fantastic so um and and how how do you deal with um all the sort of different you know different kinds of vehicles and and machines and and all that you know there must be such a huge degree of variation um between the different kind of things that you're trying to give that intelligent control too yeah so um i think that plays to the universal autonomy principle that i was talking about before i think um we've designed designed the software so that it is flexible enough to be able to work on work in many places um we haven't baked in any assumptions about those domains we haven't relied on any infrastructure external infrastructure particular to a particular domain for example so um, one of them being gps so we're not reliant on gps uh, the vehicle itself is completely self-sufficient however we can leverage information from gps if it's available why we've not relied on gps is it allows us to be able to work in places that gps might degrade or it's just not available at all so indoors for example, underground, or even in you know urban canyons, are uh, just a couple of examples where where that occurs, where we lose, where we might lose our GPS or it degrades. Also, the infra- like the other infrastructure I'm talking about, uh, lane markings, for example. Lane markings are very different on a public road than they are on in an airport, for example. Yeah. And the rules of the road uh, are different accord- accordingly. Yeah. So baking in assumptions about particular lane markings means that you aren't able, you're not able to work in those other uh, domains. Now you need to use that information um, because you need to be able to behave appropriately and intelligently in each of those domains. But uh, what we do is not bake it in from the foundation, and, and we add that on at the end. Now this, uh, you were talking about the different platforms that you might uh, work in. We've, we've really thought really hard about uh, how we can deploy our system onto many different vehicles. And one yeah. of the, I think, uh, strengths of Oxbotica is uh, our power uh, requirements or very low power requirements. And you need to have low power requirements if you're working on you know, small electric vehicles. 
but you also need to have you know, be able to uh, leverage what you have on large mining type vehicles as well. Yeah. In fact, some of our installations are um, less than uh, use up less than 300 watts. So it's something that we really um, work hard hard on. Our engineering team um, is super proud when they shave off milliseconds off a particular algorithm or a particular processing pathway. Yeah. And you know, all those milliseconds add up. Um, and <laughs> so it, it, it's, it, I think that's one another part of this universal kind of underlying principle that we have uh, any place, you know, any type of vehicle. And I think another part of it is um, the type, uh, you have to have a very, you have to be flexible in the types of sensors that you might uh, work with. Um, so uh, we are very agnostic to the types of sensors. There's a diverse set of sensors out there um, that you might, might want to use. And as I was saying, we're not reliant on any external type sensing. So GPS, so GPS, for example, it's all on the vehicle that we that we use, and that allows us to be in each of these domains and operate efficiently and effectively. Yeah, and, and is is there like some sort of I don't know, like a driving test? Do you have you know if you're, you're deploying the software on a big mining truck or a, a small you know delivery uh, vehicle? Do you, do you how do you kind of test it to make sure that it knows what it's doing, or how, how do you how do you train it to to make sure it knows what it's doing? Well, I think that's a a really huge question. It comes down to um, providing the confidence that this system's safe in each of these domains, isn't it? Mm. Um, te- just uh, you need to be able to verify and validate for a particular domain or for a set of domains that your software is capable. Yeah. Now, we, we have um, a, a number of different companies from different industries paying us to have software in their, in their systems, and they have to have that confidence that you know, the software is uh, safe and will operate safely in the system that it's operating in. Uh, so you have to say something really strong about your software. You have to be really, uh, you have to think really deeply about how you've designed that software so that safety is part of uh, it from the ground up. I might give one example, um, an up-and-coming uh, set, uh, set of standards called SOTIF. Um, it's called Safety of the Intended Function. And it's uh, really interesting in that it implies that you uh, need to uh, check certain pathways or multiple pathways of your system so that you can validate online. Validation is, is, is really interesting. You want to be able to tell if the system is not doing the inc- incorrect thing. Yeah. yeah? Uh, and, and that can happen at multiple levels. I might start with kind of the sensor level, sensor side of things. Mm. Um, you want independence and redundancy in those uh, sensors. So independence meaning different ways of sensing the world. And we have three types of sensors that we work with. Uh, camera, and that gives you the vision. Um, LiDAR, which gives you range information. And radar, which is also range information, but at a lot, a lot larger distances. And also it kind of brings um, extra capabilities in that it can operate, continue to operate in really adverse environmental conditions, uh, such as dust, snow, heavy rain, um, yeah. almost gives you superhuman capabilities. Uh, so we're really excited about having those <laughs> th- th- these three modalities uh, yeah. of sensing capabilities. They're, they're both complementary and also they provide a con- uh, can possibly provide a consensus. I always have this sort of picture of like Superman with um, you know his laser eyes and uh, can see through objects and stuff. I mean, it's, it's pretty much what you've got, isn't it? You know, you are talking like superhuman kind of um, input uh, potential. And of course, I mean, the, the environments that you're operating in, 
in some ways, I guess they're simpler potentially than than a kind of um, you know passenger vehicle out on the road. But in other cases, there's a lot of extra complexity there. With you know, my, mines are not clean places. There's there's dirt and and mud and mess and muck all around, and you know, ports and harbors are very incredibly dense, uh, busy places. So there's a lot of complexity there. But and and also with the if you look at the on the on highway stuff, they're testing these things. You know, they've got huge fleets of vehicles where they're out, you know, testing hundreds, if not thousands of, of uh, vehicles, clocking up millions of miles and, and hours of, of data to validate those systems. Uh, so it must be really difficult to do that with, a, you know, you can't have a fleet of a thousand mining trucks just running uh, test patterns for the for the next uh, year or two. So how, how do you overcome how do you overcome that to sort of uh, cover off all of the different possible scenarios that you might see? Yeah. I think there's two ways that we address that. <clears throat> One is I think the diversity in which we operate does help us. We learn what we learn in airport helps us learn what's on road, on a public road um, or you know, on highway or in a dense urban environment or in a mine. Um, the corner cases that you come across in these different domains really uh, uh, wouldn't pop up in all, those, in all those domains as often as each other. So we actually draw the learning across all those domains. So you don't need thousands of haul trucks, but you might use the different uh, fleets of vehicles that you're working with in different domains to, le- to leverage the information that they learn and therefore accelerate in different domains. So I think that's um, really key about this software autonomy platform. It doesn't just uh, work in one fleet. It leverages all the information that you might get across fleets in all these different domains uh, really interesting yeah I, i've always thought you know if because if, if 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 you or i are driving a vehicle or a machine and, and you know something happens we perhaps have an accident um you know we we might learn from that if we're lucky um and you might tell someone but that's it you know the extent to which there's kind of that mass uh learning event is is pretty limited so then same mistakes get repeated over and over and over again by by human beings operating equipment and uh, and, and driving vehicles year after year after year because that the knowledge of of the scenario stays with the individual but that kind of collective um, the ability to collect data across every deployed installation i mean it, it just seems like the learning curve should be very steep Oh, it's, it is, um, I think it really is a huge advantage that autonomy brings. We, we'll never have a learner driver out in the road through, with an autonomous fleet. That fleet can only get better through all the learnings of, of every, every other vehicle. Um, I think that's like, yeah, I think you really hit on it. Um, when was the last time that uh, anyone that uh, individually went and talked to someone else other than maybe a person in their family or a close friend about uh, an incident that they went through so that they could teach others about how not to be in that, in that, in that kind of uh, situation again. I think also uh, what autonomy brings is, uh, you're, you, you touched on it before, the kind of different modalities, the, super, the Superman laser beams. Now, those, those laser beams are occurring in 360-degree panoramic view. The vision is also in a 360-degree panoramic view, um, sa- uh, same as radar. And I'm getting that kind of information at fractions of uh, at like 20, 30 hertz. 
uh, fractions of a second, every every fraction of a second, getting a full view of the world. Um, so that information as well allows me to uh, better understand what's happening in the environment um, and uh, be able to predict these, these particular types of situations. You've got eyes in the back of your head, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor, poor old human has these tiny little square mirrors on either side of them and the, and, 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 um, the rear vision mirror and that's all they've got and you can only look at one at a time. So I, I think autonomy does have, it does bring this element of uh, um, safety and learning across so many different types of vehicles mm-hmm. uh, allowing the whole fleet to, or sets of fleets to um, accelerate uh, their capabilities. Yeah, the vision is a, is a huge thing, particularly on, on larger vehicles. You know, a, a lot of people would recognize that on a truck, actually driver vision, you know, the trucks these days are kind of plastered in six stickers that say things like, if you can't see me, I can't see you for the driver. And obviously they've got pretty big wing mirrors, but kind of judging the distance from the front of the vehicle to the back of a 40 foot truck is quite difficult. You know, and I've, I've, driven some big trucks in my life and i can honestly say those guys do do it day in day out you know it's it's um there's a good bit of luck and uh, as well as good judgment obviously and, and skill and practice but it's it's really hard to judge those distances but then you scale that up again to like a huge mining truck a, a line haul truck and um the, the sort of depth perception and getting the, the sort of vision and view on those uh, machines is is a it's a, actually a huge part of the d- design uh, challenge of the machine in the first place making sure the driver can see everything he has to be able to see by law you know the um those viewing angles are, are really tough to achieve on the on the big equipment so that there must be a big but a huge advantage with um with autonomous systems where you can place um your cameras and your sensors basically wherever you wherever you think they're going to have the best impact yeah i'm in awe of uh, drivers who are able to maneuver some of these monster machines um and i do think uh the sensing capabilities that the technology brings uh, does definitely help and can augment that and um, and uh, create a capability that allows you to be uh, uh, have have a real an understanding of of the safety requirements of that kind of domain or that operation of that vehicle. Mm. Yeah. So so on on Oxbodica, where where do you guys typically sit in the market? So are you like supplying vehicle manufacturers who are deploying systems? Because we've seen some of the big off-highway OEMs. Um, you know, we had a guy from Volvo on a, a, a podcast a while ago who was talking about their autonomous mine project. And I know Cat have got a lot of work in this area. Are you dealing with OEMs or are you tending to deal with the, the, the actual mining and uh, quarrying, you know, the companies, the end users themselves? Where, whereabouts do you sit typically? Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely a B2B uh business so we supply to other uh, businesses industries um you can call like so I, we're not specific to an oem or a tier one or an operator um what we you can do is call 1-800-Oxbotica and say can we use your autonomy software platform and <laughs> we, we'll come up with a solution uh, for you we're able to deploy the entire solution the whole entire platform a full autonomy stack um, into that domain um, or parts of it. It's very quite modular and you can use some of the tech, you might only want to leverage some of the technology of it. Maybe for example, the localization system that doesn't require uh, GPS or the 
the perception system for some kind of drive assist. All of those are available as um, uh, as a product or a solution um, for each of those those domains. So um, we're def- we're not specific to a particular uh, company. What we want to be able to do is accelerate other industries that can leverage that le- leverage what autonomy brings. Um, and we've designed that system so it's easy to use. It's got open interfaces, for example, so you can plug in your own uh, fleet management system or you can plug in your own type of vehicle with the, its own set of, set of sensors as well. Like, So we can pl- plunk it onto an OEM's vehicle, for example. Right. So this is, I think, um, where, uh, where there's some strengths in Oxbotica in, that, in, in the way that we're just looking at the software, mm. but we ensure that you can interact with it, you can interface with it from many different levels. Okay, and that, with that given then, um, it, 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 it did sort of... Um applications like a, a mining site for example you know you might have all one manufacturer's equipment in a, in a mine or a quarry okay it's possible you might have equipment just from one manufacturer but in a in a port it's really unlikely and an airport as well really really unlikely you know you're much more likely to have three or four or five different uh, manufacturers pieces of equipment m- moving things shifting things pulling things so would that be then sort of where, where your um, software could come in as a bit of an advantage and it would help the um, help coordinate vehicles and machines from lots of different companies onto a common platform? Absolutely. And it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be a common platform. What we provide is an open interface that allows others to either plug in their own uh, modules or use Alcsbotica's uh, modules. Um, so it really enables uh, the capabilities of a, a heterogeneous fleet, a different types of vehicles that have that are all different throughout that fleet, yeah. to be able to have the same capabilities, the same autonomous capabilities, even if they had different sensor and power um, uh, requirements on each, on each of those vehicles, we're able to supply that, that kind of uh, capability to each of those vehicles. So um, it's, I think it's a, uh, it, it really opens up what you can do in each of these domains and you're not beholden to any one type of uh, platform, type of vehicle or uh, type of uh, system. And um, that open interface is, uh, allows you to do that, set, it, set of open interfaces that allows you to do that. Oh, right, okay, yeah. That, that, that makes a lot of sense because uh, as these things get more and more complex with more different kinds of requirements and machines and vehicles you're going to want to be able to pull lots of different things into that sort of um, would you describe that as then as like an operating system for a site or how, how would you describe that yeah that's really interesting um we we, we talk about operate uh, the, uh, uh, the foundations of our onboard vehicle as an, as an autonomy operating system and you put apps on it okay. apps onto it and then you can also talk about the cloud infrastructure being an operating system or a cloud operating system in which you can add your different apps onto it. It might be Oxbotica's apps, but um, equally as well, you can add in you know, your own custom a- apps as well and you have, you have that capability to do that. So I think that's probably a close analogy. Okay. Oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah. And in, in the market then, um, you know, again, I, I mentioned it earlier, but all, all the hype is about passenger cars uh, typically. So there's a massive hype cycle around autonomous passenger vehicles. Um, but the the sort of real applications where, you know, because 
I've got to be honest, I would quite like to have an autonomous vehicle. Uh, I'd get a bit of time back and, you know, make that commute easier, even though in the current environment, none of us are commuting very far on a day-to-day basis. But the the big applications where there's a lot of kind of potential for increasing efficiency, for saving money, for I mean, even, for even reducing emissions, actually, by, by making that fleet more efficient, are things like uh, trucks, um, you know, long-haul trucks in particular, mining sites you mentioned, um, ports and, and, and things like that. So we're starting to see those kind of places um, deploy quite large numbers of autonomous vehicles, particularly in off-highway, I guess, because it's um, less uh, sort of, it's not a less regulated environment as such, but it's, there's, there's less stakeholders than there are in, in an, uh, a sort of open on-highway environment. What what do you see as the key, um, like the most exciting areas at the moment for you? Is it is it the you know the shipping, the port market, or is it mining or trucking, or what? What's the kind of big area that's really like? Yeah, that's that's kind of we've got traction there now. That's really taking off for us. Yeah, I think I, I think the um the market is huge. You're right. There's there's a, there's a big hype around. Um, on road, and we're absolutely in that. Um, uh, but there's also uh, advantages and, and and a rich market uh, place that where on road kind of um, passenger vehicles is only one part of it. We've put um, a, a real focus in uh, being able to transform some of these other industrial automation, uh, ch- ch- transform the types of industrial automation that's occurring now. So mines and quarries are a big one that. We uh, have deployments in that we're um, that we're operating in. Um, sh- uh, shuttles is another is another big part that I think um, big, has has a big pl- uh, a thing to play in. Okay, and then there's so, also just the deliver like moving goods, Mo- uh, transporting goods is a bit is another okay. big part. When you say shuttles, just for clarity, you don't mean like space shuttles, do you? You mean small deliver. Uh- Passenger transport, <laughs> passenger transporting uh, vehicles rather than spaceships. That's uh, yeah. That, sorry, yes, that's it. you're absolutely right. Uh, oh, you guys did some pretty clever oh, stuff. So you might have meant spaceships. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my engineering team might uh, their eyes might widen a little when if I said something like that. Yeah, and, and for tomorrow, guys, we're gonna have some, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, so so like the kind of point to point public transport solutions that um, are moving people around campuses or cities or airports that kind of thing i think those domains uh, will be will transform uh very very soon because of what autonomy brings right yeah and and so um those the the, the markets that are really interesting obviously they're they're ones where typically you've got some sort of uh payback on you know I, um you've you've got a, a driver cost you know you've got these skilled people who are having to operate these large machines and vehicles and they're you know quite expensive and especially on some of the the mine sites um there's huge shortages of people who are even willing to work um I, particularly uh i'm gonna offend you probably here but are you australian yes i am <laughs> <laughs> I always get that wrong you know but phew, i managed to get that right uh <laughs> uh, didn't call you a Kiwi. Um, so, no, right, I, I, f- I can feel the abuse coming in from people now. So, right, in Australia, obviously, you've got the, the fly-in, fly-out kind of big mining operations, and, and there's a real problem getting guys who are qualified and skilled and 
even want to work. There's massive skill shortage in that industry. So just fixing that one problem would probably give you quite a good return on um, on an investment in an autonomous system. Yeah, I think I think driver shortage is a big has a big part to play in what uh, uh, some of the gaps that autonomy can uh, fill. I think also it provides a, um, a, the possibility of um, drivers not having to do that fly in, fly out, mm-hmm. and they may want to, they may sit in um, in the town that they're living in, the city that they're living in, not not very you know near their family, um, and able to drive to work every day and go to a nice air conditioned office and monitor multiple vehicles at once. Uh, um, and that, I think that is, is uh, I, I feel like that's a real win-win uh, situation. It addresses that driver shortage that you're talking about, but also the industry who's requiring uh, um, to fill that those, the, the, the um, driver shortage is able to do that through autonomy. So I think it's, it's a real, it's a market that's very, um, uh, uh, crying out for this transformation, mm, mm. and it, I mean, truck people are always talk about trucking, and I've I've had arguments with people where they say, oh, you know, what about all the drivers are going to put them out of a job? But I mean, you know, my my father um, was a was a truck driver, and uh, you know, long haul truck driving is it, uh, it's 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 not exactly a lot of fun uh, to be away from your family for days and days at a time, and so kind of sleeping in a quite uncomfortable small truck cab you know even the even the big guys in america it's still it's i think there was a time when it was seen as being a pretty macho cool profession whereas again now it's it's actually pretty hard getting getting people who want to do that for a living you might delivery around the town is one thing where you can go home to your family every night but being out on the road for for days sometimes even weeks um on these very long haul trucking operations it's very uh very challenging job to do. It's not not a lot of fun. Yeah, I really help. I really hope we can help um, uh, help help there and, and and allow people to do their job not not you know many weeks away from their family and and in the comfort of uh, you know an office or their own home. And especially in the days like this, where where most people are, a lot of people are working from home. Mm. Yeah. Um. So so the other kind of big thing is um we, I, I mentioned it before and you, so you Oxpodica is doing on highway work as well and um your the the the, the on highway environment is very regulated there's lots of stakeholders and you know there's a lot of debate about how realistic it is to expect autonomous vehicles on the road in in the near future because of overcoming all of these uh, sort of regulatory and political uh, barriers and, and hurdles. Um, what, what's your view on that? How far do you think we're kind of just at the beginning and there's 10 years of pain and then it might kind of, uh, we might be be seeing lots of uh, AVs on the road? Or do you think that actually we're fairly close and, and it's been being kind of pulled and pushed through? What's Where do you, where do you sit on that? I think, I think we're um, all learning uh, about the regulatory uh, policies, what what's going to be required and what's not. And we're working um, particularly closely with uh, governments, one of them being the, uh, the UK, and they've been very, very supportive and we're working together um, to understand what you need in the po- types of policies around autonomy, the regulatory uh, environmental framework that needs to be um, uh, achieved. In fact, we're doing it, we're working in a, on a project, what's called, it's called Endeavour, 
which allows us to work really, really closely with regulatory bodies, the government, um, and we can educate each other. We can learn what the, those, body, those regulatory bodies need. We're learning from the government what they, they require, and they're learning about autonomy. They're, they're able to experience the, the, that uh, autonomous system, understand how you can move um, people and goods safely using, using autonomy. So I think um, we're way beyond the start uh, and I think we're in areas where you will see autonomous vehicles on, um, in various places, you know, it, um, right now. And that's only going to expand. I think, uh, I don't think we're going to see less autonomous vehicles in the future. I think we're going to see a lot more autonomous vehicles in the future. Mm-hmm. But we have to work with the governments, the regulatory bodies um, for on-road. But you, equally, you do that in um, uh, mining and airports. They have the same... Uh, uh, types of bodies, but different restrictions, right. um, and and you, and you mentioned that before. So you have to work with uh, all, all of those. It, uh, it's in, and I'm going to talk about an ecosystem again. Autonomy can't just be done alone. I can't just deploy an autonomous vehicle by itself. It, there's there's the whole support structure uh, around it, and that includes, you know, the 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 regulations, the policies, the, sa- the safety requirements, um, and, and and government buy-in for uh, for in, in, in all of these domains. Yeah. So um, I think we're we're really privileged to be able to work with some amazing uh, government bodies and regulatory bodies to be able to move this uh, the whole autonomy um, uh, and advance it. Right. Okay. That's interesting. So so probably if I interpret that correctly. We, we are, um, there's still a lot to do, but actually you see it moving fairly fairly quickly in, on, in the on-highway environment and then the off-highway environment, just kind of different different sectors are doing things in different ways, but it is progressing as well. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think uh, everyone, uh, many people are seeing the advantages of um, autonomy and really want that want to uh, leverage those uh, advantages so it's, it's been uh, it's been really fantastic to be able to work with these uh, bodies and, and move this forwards yeah and I, I think uh, one of the applications where I've seen the, the sort of a lot of noise and sort of public announcements around in the last year or so is 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 harbors and ports and obviously that that is a sector that's been growing you know with global commerce and trade there's more and more uh, things being shipped around the world, but uh, there's some pretty big harbors um, around the world have have made some some announcements. And actually, not really knowing what goes on inside a harbor, the numbers are quite staggering in terms of you know thousands of trucks operating inside some of these big ports that are then all being converted to autonomous operation over the next couple of years. And these seem to be. Um, plans well some some of them are already up and running with with quite significant fleets in their ports but there are others that are um that seem to be becoming and some big announcements um some big announcements made uh what 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 do you think of of that kind of um of, of that application the the harbor and ports type application oh, I, I agree it's staggering the number of types of vehicles and the number of vehicles and how much has moved how many, like the goods that are moved and not only the goods that are moved in those harbors and ports, but the people as well. There's whole bus systems just to get people from one, one part of the port to another. And the same as, same as airports, just dedicated to the staff. Uh, so I think it's uh, a, a really rich, amazing market market to um, have autonomous, 
have a, a leverage autonomy. Use the use the technology that you can that is, is available. Um, you're able to, I think, ex- accelerate and really ch- again transform the way harbors and ports, or continue to transform the way harbors and ports uh, may work. Mm. And I think um, what Oxbotica is able to do there is is, is able to. Uh, we we're talking about this earlier on, where the, there's so many different vehicles in a harbor or in a port. Um, the autonomy software platform that we provide allows you to be able to work on each of those uh, different platforms and have them be able to work to uh, work together as as a, a team or a networked fleet is um, something that I think uh, is absolutely uh, uh, able to do in those types of uh, yeah. domains. Because in a way, there's sort of no point. Some, sometimes with a technology solution for a problem, it's sort of sledgehammer to crack a walnut, isn't it? Because you go, well, we've got a problem with drivers, um, so we're going to make the whole fleet autonomous. And that sounds great, but then you make the whole fleet autonomous and actually you need uh, uh, as many uh, software engineers and uh, maintenance technicians to then make the whole thing work and keep it running because it's so complicated and difficult to use and uh, and so high tech. Um, is is that kind of uh, some, something that you guys have been through? Do you, do you see that as a challenge or are you really trying to, to just make it so simple to deploy these things that... Um, you know, it can it can sort of be done anywhere without without having without causing a, a further skill uh, problem in a different area. So, I, yeah, you're 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 right. Um, you could deploy uh, autonomy um, and have the technology and not have the tools, the interfaces that you need that allow people to use it in any effective in any effective way. Um, where absolutely we've we've. Uh, by deploying into different um, domains, by working with uh, different partners and customers, um, we over the years have learned about what kind of interfaces are required, how to make that easy to maintain, how to use, uh, and, and and our system. We have to make our system easy to use because it's got to work with different uh, partners, different parts of the system, different uh, uh, vehicles, uh, different uh, fleet management systems. So we really had to focus on an understanding of how you make that simple for someone who's not skilled in autonomy but is, is an expert in their, in their domain. We need to make sure that they're able to use that, use this new autonomy tool and um, achieve better than what they were doing before, be more efficient in what they're, in, in what they're doing. So it's really, really important to have those maintenance schedules, those uh, uh, tooling, the user interfaces that allow... Um, non-experts of autonomy to still leverage what autonomy brings. Mm, yeah, yeah, oh, that's that's uh, that's fantastic. It'd be really interesting to see some of these um, some of these bigger bigger systems be uh, be deployed. And of course, you can. I mean, you can imagine almost like public transport. You're operating lots of buses. It's just the mind when you start to think about it. Really, you it, you, you you suddenly start to realise this. There's huge, you know, lots and lots of applications out there, both on on the road and um, and off the road. So what what's um, just leading me on to the next question? Actually, being mindful that we're uh, we're, we're running out of time. So, uh, what's what what's got you most excited uh, about the future? You know, what's coming uh, for you guys in the next year or so that uh, you're really looking forward to? I think um, what you're going to see from Oxbotica is uh, we're going to continue to expand throughout North America and Europe. Uh, 
you're going to see our software platform on some of the domains that we just talked about, at least some of those domains that we talked about, mining, shuttles, delivery. And I think you're going to see it in, uh, um, in, in further domains as well. Mm. I'm, I'm really excited to see these industries leverage autonomy and continue to leverage autonomy and, and, and really uh, take on their um, advantages that autonomy uh, brings you know the productivity the efficiency and the benefit of um what uh of of, of this uh, around safety mm. yeah yeah cool so so um yeah that's fantastic i think uh we will uh, we'll bring it to a close there um but it's been fascinating i think we probably could have continued all day but i know um you you have to get off Ben. Um, so we shall uh, we shall let you go. Thank you so much for taking the time out um, to speak to us today. Um, I, I I hope you uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Sorry for uh, for hitting you with all those questions. No, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for the opportunity to have a chat to you. Um, and have a great afternoon. Thank you. So that's all we've got time for today. Um, I hope you've got some value out of that. I certainly have. I've learned a lot about uh, what Ben and the team are doing at Oxbotica. Uh, very thought-provoking in terms of the future and, and what autonomy will hold for lots of different applications in the heavy vehicle industry, machinery, and uh, and on highway. So I'll put some links down below so you can um, find Ben and find Oxbotica out there on their, on LinkedIn and and, uh, and their website and so on. Uh, don't forget if you've got any questions please feel free to send them into us uh, we'll try and turn those into episodes and if you're involved in doing something really cool in the world of electric vehicles or autonomous vehicles like ben and his team um you can get in touch and uh, you know you could be a guest on the show as well so thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to us today that's all we've got time for and i really look forward to speaking to you again soon